today is Ephesians 6, verses 1 to 4. And it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This is God's word. Good morning, everyone. How's it going? Good. Um, if I've not met you, hello, I'm Tom, and I'm so happy that you're here with us this morning. Um, my thing isn't on. There we go. Um, we are uh, happy that you're here with us this morning to worship and to learn together. And so, like John said, we're going to keep going in our series in Ephesians. And um, there's something here for everyone, because the, the truth is that we're all someone's child, right? That's one thing we can all say, yeah, I'm, I'm someone's kid. Not all of us can say we're a parent, but we can all agree that we're all children. Um, and so I want to show you guys a picture of my family growing up. I'm a child, that's me in the middle. My young, my, uh, I've got four little brothers and a mom and a dad. Um, there's a lot of baldness in my family. There's actually no lights on, just all just reflecting from um, So yeah, four brothers and two parents, and, and it was an awesome experience. I mean, like, like all of us, are, my parents aren't perfect. My brothers were definitely not perfect, and I definitely was not perfect. And so there's lots uh, to learn by being in a family. And I had a unique relationship with my parents, largely in part because I was the oldest child. So I got this line a lot. I don't know if there's any other older kids or oldest kids. Like, you know, you're the guinea pig, you know. And, you know, sorry. You know, we, we did our best, basically. And, uh, and now I understand that because, you know, just like my parents, I got married young, and I have four kids, which are these four crazy children here. Um, that's them, you guys have probably seen them running around this morning. Um, and I, I think being a child and being a parent is a humbling thing, because you realize my parents had no idea of what they were doing, just like I have no idea what I'm doing. And so it's from this place I'll be sharing today. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, but, and I do so humbly, knowing I continually fall short of being both the son and father God has made me to be. And so I'm coming, I'm, I'm just being humble with you guys, being honest with you guys this morning. I am by no means a parenting expert or a, a son, an expert son. But what we do have is this gift from God, which is the word of God, which instructs us how to live. And, and we, we, we have the example of Jesus that we can look to and all these things we're going to kind of hopefully coalesce together into today's message that's going to leave us hopefully transformed and hungering after being both children who honor our parents and parents who raise our children up to become like Jesus. Okay, so Paul, this, this, the scripture that Susie read for us this morning is written by a guy named Paul, and he's speaking into a context, into a church community that's just formed, and he's been unpacking the mystery of the gospel, who God is, what he's done for us from eternity past on into the future, all kinds of beautiful stuff, and then it's been kind of zeroing in on, okay, we, we can know all this stuff in our head, but how does it actually translate into how we live our lives, because that's the whole point, right? It's not enough to just know things, we have to live them out. And when we really believe something, we live like it's true. And last week, um, my wife and I talked about marriage, and we talked about submission, 
And we talked about before all that, like what it looks like to be a spirit-filled person in God's new family is that we learn how to be mutually submissive to one another. That all of us here, however old we are, whatever gender we have, height, stature, whatever it might be, wealth, we are all made in God's image. We have equal dignity, value, and worth. And from that place, we're continually learning how to learn how to love one another. So what we're going after today as we talk about parents and we talk about children is we want to be a people who are filled with God's spirit and living out the gospel. And, and it, that's going to translate into how we are both children and parents. So the question we're going to be asking is this. So the gospel gives you and I a new identity, a new family, and a new mission. So how do we live accordingly as children and parents? That's the question we're going to be tackling today. So first up, we're going to go after the children. So God's wisdom for children. Let's read the first three verses together. And if you're a kid, especially a little kid, you got your ears on? Click them on. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with the promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. I think the first thing I want to draw our attention to is that Paul is addressing the kids. And so what we're, we want to imagine ourselves, this letter is being read in probably a home, and the kids are actually being, or they're there, they're listening to everything that Paul has just been talking about, the gospel, and who Jesus is, and what he's done, and he's, he's addressing the kids by name, and hey, children, listen, you matter, you have value and worth, you are a part of this new family that God is building. So, hey, kids that are here, hi, you matter, I'm happy that you're in the room with us, we want to see Jesus formed in you guys. And you have something uniquely specific that God has given you that can bless the people around you, no matter how old you are. Okay? Some of the kids are listening. That's okay. So, also, for us older people, we, we can learn from the children in our community. You know, we saw that in Jesus, when Jesus says, no, let the children come unto me. So that's just the first thing I want to draw our attention to, that kids actually are in the, in the mix. They're not separate, like separated off in the, in the back room only listening to veggie tales, they're they're listening to some deep theology. Yeah. And Paul is, Paul is addressing them and including them in that discussion. Okay, so he's addressing the kids, and then he's saying this whole word. Hey, children, obey your parents. Have any of you kids ever heard your parents say that to you? Yes. Just Josh? Okay, well, parents, we got to work on that. So... <laughs> so the word Paul is... The, the Greek word here translating into our English word obey is interesting. It's helpful because it comes from two words. The first word is under, and the second word is to listen. So it literally means to listen under. So obedience involves you paying attention, having your ears on, and consciously listening to what your parents are saying to you. But not only just listening, not in one ear and out the other, but actually listening, hearing them, and then doing what they're asking you to do. Obedience involves conscious listening, if you do not really listen, you cannot really obey. Parents, I expect more amens from this, okay? Yeah. But, um, but it's not enough to, and I, I remember growing up, and maybe you guys can remember this, my parents just saying, just obey me because, just obey me. And that's not enough. If Paul goes on and he explains why. Okay, we're going we're gonna to listen under, consciously listen under our parents, realizing that as kids we have value and worth, we want to grow into the likeness of Jesus. But why, why does this matter? Why should I honor and obey my parents? 
Okay, the first reason, the first and most important reason in my mind is that it follows Jesus' example. Jesus obeyed his parents. Actually, we read this a few weeks ago. In Hebrews 5.8, it talks about how Jesus had to actually learn obedience. That's interesting. In Luke 2.51, Jesus went down from Jerusalem with Joseph and Mary, who were Jesus' parents on earth, right? And came to Nazareth and was submissive to them or was obedient to them. Jesus was obedient to his earthly mother and father. And then we see, as we're going to read this week, and during Holy Week in the Garden of Gethsemane, as Jesus is praying the night before the night he's arrested, he says, Father, not my will be done, but your will be done. Yet again, he's obedient to his heavenly Father. So why should we be obedient, the first, why should we be obedient as children? The first and most important reason is it's what Jesus did. Okay, everyone? Amen. The second reason is it follows the natural law of the world, or the universe. This is part of the way the world is designed to work. We trust that God is good, right? That our Heavenly Father is good and wants our best. God brings order to chaos, okay? And he, the enemy, what the enemy does is he brings chaos to whatever order there is. So there's a way God has made the world to work where we as parents are instructed to care for you guys as our kids, but your part in that is to obey what we're saying. And when you look back at history, almost every culture and society is recognized and built upon the premise that children are to obey and respect their parents. Amen. Okay, uh, but there is something in us as fallen humans that wants the opposite, right? So Paul talks about, hey, listen, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. There's something in us that's fallen and broken that wants to do the opposite of that, and that is not right. And this is where God's divine law comes in. So Paul is actually quoting from the Old Testament, from the Ten Commandments, actually. And the Fifth Commandment from Exodus chapter 20 says this, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So the third reason we are to obey our parents is it's been commanded by God. And as disciples of Jesus, we're looking to follow his example in all things. Okay, we're going to keep going here with obedience. What is the nature of obedience? Do we just blindly listen to everything our parents say? Or how do we, kind of, how do we work through that? Uh, the nature of obedience, Paul gets at this, it's in the Lord. And so I want us to think about this. When we're obeying our parents, we're actually obeying and honoring Jesus. Yeah. Interesting. And think about this. When I leave our four kids in the care of our oldest daughter, Lily... We've delegated authority to Lily to kind of act on our behalf. As like our, we have the authority in our home. We say, hey, Lily, you're in charge here. And her siblings cry and whine and say, why aren't why are I in charge? But when, when they listen to what Lily says, what they're actually doing is listening to Jess and I, right? You guys follow that? It's the same thing. When we listen to our mom and our dad, what we're actually doing is listening to Jesus. Right? And that's a good thing to do. Here's the deal, though. We're never to obey things that are morally wrong or go against the way of Jesus. So it's not blindly, but if, and I mean, when we get older, this is kind of when the arguments can kind of flare up. Um, but when we're, especially when we're young, if there's anything that puts you in danger or is um, exploitative of you, you don't obey your parents in that. So there is a line there. The next thing about the nature of obedience, it comes with a promise and not a threat. So children who are obedient and respectful of their parents tend to develop healthy character traits that follow them into their adult life. Because kids, one day you're going to grow up and you're going to be an adult. And you want to have good 
uh, character traits and good patterns in your life so that you can live a life that honors God and is, is um, a blessing to those around you. I'm going to read three Proverbs about um, the promise of obedience. Hear my son and accept my words that the years of your life may be many. Proverbs 4 verse 10. Proverbs 1 verse 8 and 9. Hear, my son, your father's instructions, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. Uh, Proverbs 30, verse 17. The eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures. <laughs> the last thing, guys, about honoring our parents or being obedient to our parents, about what, what about those who no longer live at home with our parents? How do we do this as we grow up and become more mature, live our own life, have our own children? What does that look like to honor our parents as we go on? The call to honor our parents still applies. We don't have to obey our parents in the same way. I've had some awkward interactions with that with my parents, especially when I was first coming out of the home. But this is what R. Kent Hughes says about this whole idea. The call to honor our parents goes beyond mere outward obedience. To honor our parents means to love them, to regard them highly, to show them respect and consideration. While we may outgrow the call to obey our parents, we never outgrow the obligation to honor them. This is where our, our culture is fast failing. The aged are shelved and patronized, but not respected. Grown-up children dishonor their parents by forgetting them and neglecting them. This has been something I've been on a journey on the last couple of years with my own parents. And what does it look like to honor them working through some of the stuff that I felt was a disappointment in my upbringing and all kinds of stuff. But I cannot get around this whole idea as a disciple. I want to I want to pattern my life after Jesus. I can't bypass this. And you can't bypass this if you're taking serious the, the idea of being becoming like Jesus. It plays a key role in our journey of discipleship. As much as as much as some of us would like to. This isn't something we can bypass. So this is simple, guys. I think we can make it way more complicated than it needs to be. Our parents are human beings, believe it or not. Our parents need just us to pick up the phone and call them. Dad, how are you doing? Mom, how are you doing? What's going on? Another way we can honor them is to speak well of them in front of others, especially our own children. Uh, we can take the time to get to know them and what they're into. And I, 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 like I said earlier, I've definitely had a lot of these, oh, man, they didn't know what they were doing either type of revelations. And even to talk about that with them, like, man, Dad, I, I remember being frustrated with you about this, and then the same thing happened to me. I think that's just like honey to my dad's ears. I don't think that's the right terminology, but if you love to hear that, don't put honey in your ears, true. But all that to say, though, guys, I do realize that a lot of us have had a... a like some significantly painful and horrible experiences with our parents. And if that's the case, I, I, first of all, I'm sorry. And I can say with clarity, I know that wasn't God's intention for you as a child. But he can use those situations for his glory and our good. And if that's you, and this is a specifically a, or um, especially a, a source of pain for you, I would encourage you to go speak with a counselor, someone who's trained to kind of walk you through learning how to forgive. And just pray and ask God to help you forgive them in the process and look for ways that you can honor what is honorable. So that wraps up obedience for children. So let's move on to God's wisdom for parents. Verse 4. I'm going to do the first half and then the second half. So the first half. Parents, you ready? Deep breath. Fathers, parentheses, and mothers, do not provoke your children to anger. 
How do we do this? How do we provoke our children to anger? The list probably could be endless, and it might be different from your kids like rather than mine, but this is just four things that we tend to do as parents that provoke our children to anger. The first thing is being unreasonable. And when, when we're unreasonable with our children, what that looks like is loading our, our children up with things outside their, their capability and comprehension. I know multiple times I've, my wife has pulled me aside and been like, hey, you're talking to our four-year-old like they're 50. They don't understand what you're saying. They can't comprehend what you're doing. And you can just see their little hearts and spirits being crushed. So we need to be careful we're not being unreasonable with our children. The second thing, let's, let's keep an eye out for fault-finding. Uh, when we nitpick at the ways our child, our children do things, this ends up just crushing their little spirit. The third thing we do that provokes our children to anger is to just neglect them. And what that looks like is just consistently not making time to connect with them in meaningful ways. You can be like, I feed them, I clothe them, and then I just, whatever, I don't need to do anything else. But our kids need our, they need eye contact, they need snuggles, they need our, our effort and attention. Otherwise, they end up feeling neglected and angry. And the fourth one, which is a really tough one, is inconsistency. When there's no clear sense of expectation for either party, the child or the parent, it leaves the child especially feeling unsafe. And this happens even from parent to parent, where it's, no, mom, mom always says we can do this, but no, dad said we can't do this. If there's no consistency, it's going to end up provoking our children to anger. The list, like I said, could go on and on. So that's, that's what we need to not do. And, and, and so now, what do we need to do as parents? And this is some big stuff. It's a little line, but there's a lot packed in there. So don't provoke them to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So I'm going to break that down. The first thing, but bring them up. This conjures up this image and thought of, of bringing up like a little garden or a plant. And you're, you're, you're seeing that thing with tenderness and care and gentleness. You're looking after it, you're watering it, you're making sure it's getting everything it needs so that I can grow and that I can flourish. This means we do not crush their spirit. So we're, spending, we're paying a special attention to those things that are provoking them to anger and making every effort to eliminate those things in their lives. John Calvin summarizes that first line this way. He says, let them be kindly cherished. Do I, do I cherish my children? As we do this, as we bring them up with gentleness, we learn to listen, to observe them as unique, to value what they value, and to encourage them. To put courage into our children is such an important thing as parents. The second thing, so we, we bring them up in gentleness. The second thing we do is we provide consistent, godly discipline for them. Hebrews 12, verse 11. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. It's painful for both parties to discipline often, especially if we're doing it well. If we're doing it out of a place of anger, it, it kind of flows out of us, and that's unhealthy and dangerous, actually. But to take the time and to look at your child as you're disciplining them, to see the tears in their eyes and them to see the tears in your eyes sometimes, it seems painful in the moment, but in the long run, it's always worth it. Our kids need boundaries for their own sake and for the sake of others. They don't know their own boundaries. We as adults often don't even know our own boundaries. So imagine a little four-year-old or a five-year-old. I have a story um, where in my own, like I said, I too am a child and I had parents where I needed consistent godly discipline in my life. In, in grade nine, I had a rough year. I uh, ended up befriending some shady characters as you do often in ninth grade. And 
I ended up um, getting into some drugs and some bad stuff. And I remember being in school, I was in science class, earth science, I remember sitting there and I got a note that said, uh, Tom, your mom's in the office. And I just knew, I knew my mom knows and I'm in a world of trouble. I got home, I won't bore you with all the details, I got home, set, got sat down, ended up getting grounded for the rest of the year, um, which felt completely unfair and you know cruel and unusual punishment. But what my parents did in that space is they sat with me. My dad got up with me every morning, and he would read with me the Bible. And the other days, my mom would teach me Spanish, which was awful. But anyways, that's a whole other thing. But they provided a clear boundary for me. Like, hey, Tom, you're out of line. I'm bringing you back into line. And this is not safe. The friends that you're hanging out with, the things that you're doing, the choices you're making are not safe for you. And so as your parents, we're going to step in, and we're going to give you godly discipline. I'm sure there were days my dad was like, dude, I did not want to get up with you. You know, imagine reading a Bible to like a 13-year-old that didn't want to listen to it every morning at 6 o'clock in the morning. But I'm grateful for my parents' consistency in that because I ended up making a shift and I, be, I, you know, I, I stopped hanging out with those people and it was God's intervention in my life through my parents. And I'm sure we all have our own stories of that. But it's important for us to provide consistent discipline with our children, even when it's difficult. And thirdly, we need to instruct our children in the way of Jesus. Proverbs 22, verse 6, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. This is not going to just happen like this, guys, passively, unintentionally. Just like, oh, how do you not get the way of Jesus, little kid? We have to intentionally invest our time in our children and instructing them in the way of Jesus. This is the point, though. Do we realize this as parents? What we're doing is, is hopefully trying to raise little disciples of Jesus. One author puts it this way, parents should care more for the loyalty of their children to Christ than for anything besides. More than this, than for their health, their intellectual vigor and brilliance, their material prosperity, their social position, their exemption from great sorrows and great misfortunes. Paul here isn't talking about how to develop an authoritarian relationship with children as the parents' subjects, but how to learn to exercise restraint by learning how to lovingly nourish discipline and instruct children on their way to becoming like Jesus. All right? Yeah. So a few closing thoughts about what this looks like here and now. I think culturally speaking, there's two ditches that we can fall into as parents. One ditch of parenting or, or parent and child relationships is that we can sacrifice our children on the altar of our, of our own success. My job matters more, my career matters more, this matters more. And so we end up sacrificing our children on, our, on the altar of perceived moving on up or keeping up with the Joneses, whatever that might be. And on the other ditch, what we do with our children is we make them into little gods. And our deepest desire is just to make sure they never have to go through anything. We give them everything they want. We're trying to protect them from everything. We, and, and it's like it's an unhealthy thing where they've actually taken the place of God in some ways. So how do we kind of find the radical middle of parenting and relationship with our children today? So I think this is the answer. We intentionally identify our number one priority is to raise sons and daughters who are passionate Jesus followers. So I'm going to say that one more time. As parents, the radical middle for what this looks like is to intentionally identify your number one priority is to raise sons and daughters who are passionate Jesus followers. How do we do that? The first thing is this, if this is what you want, if you want to find this radical middle, if you want to be obedient to God's word, the first thing is, as a parent, you must be an apprentice of Jesus yourself. 
Okay, you must be taking this seriously yourself. You can't just hope that by, you know, through osmosis from other people, your kid understands what this looks like. But for you as a parent, the, the, like taking your children off that idol, taking your career off that, off that altar, the first thing you want to do is place yourself there, learn how to live sacrificially, and spending time with Jesus. God needs to take the place of our children in some cases. Where our children have become God, God needs to take his rightful place in our hearts and minds. Loving God with passion is something that first has to happen in your own life if you want to raise children who are disciples. And this basic theory is what it comes down to. You cannot give what you do not have. As we cultivate our own loving relationship with God on the daily, we're able to sustain more healthily our own parenting. As we do this, as we dedicate our time and energy and effort, we reorient our life around these goals of being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what Jesus did. As we spend time with him, there's this promise at the end of the Old Testament in Malachi 4 that's, that's looking forward to Jesus coming. And, he's, and it says this, And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children, and the hearts of children to their fathers. So as we're with Jesus, as we're becoming more like him and we're doing what he did, he's going to, if, if our hearts are not in, like towards our children yet, he's going to be the one that turns them, which is good news, which we can hope for there. So the first thing is that we must be apprentices of Jesus ourselves. The second thing is we need to take seriously the fact that we're modeling a real relationship with Jesus in the everyday life. And this is sobering. Uh, William Booth, founder of the Salvation Army, said this in 1902. Don't expect your children to be so naive that they won't see beneath the cloak of a false Christianity, especially if they find it in their own home. And don't think that after they discover its unreality, they won't despise it. Don't be surprised if when they see such hypocrisy, they make it an excuse for neglecting, if not positively disbelieving, in Christ altogether. Whew. This is terrifying, but for us as parents, our kids, we have to remember, they have a front row seat to our apprenticeship to Jesus. And are we modeling it well? They see us, you know, like our spouse sees us when we wake up and all that, you know, stuff. They see us at our worst and our best, but so do our kids. They see how we process hurt and pain and mistreatment, and they see how we rest or don't rest. They see how we spend our money. They see how we talk about people when they're not in the room. Are we taking seriously the fact that we're modeling a real relationship with Jesus in our everyday life? And that goes back to, are we modeling what it looks like to be an apprentice and spending time with him? My wife talks often about growing up at home where her parents, it's okay, her parents, she remembers waking up and her mom reading her Bible and praying every morning. And her dad wrestling through scriptures and, and, and showing them it's okay to not always have the answer and to, to go to God and be frustrated. That's okay. Both those things were modeled in her home. So she grew up feeling like with healthy, godly examples of what it looks like to follow after God. So how we treat our spouse, that matters. And I think the whole idea that, that our kids are watching can be overwhelming. But it's, it's almost like a, if we flip it on its head, it's actually a really incredible thing. That if, if, we, if we trust God that he's helping us, if he's the one transforming us, if we bumble along the way humbly and we talk to them about what we're learning or, or struggling through, that that can be a real gift and a blessing to our kids. So we are, take ourselves seriously as apprentices to Jesus. We model that in the everyday stuff of life with our children. And thirdly, we need to intentionally teach our kids along the way. We talked about earlier, you know, the, the sacrificing 
um, our children on the altar of our own career or success or our own endeavors. It, it, it means in some ways we're putting ourselves back on that altar and saying, I'm going to give up my time and energy and effort to teach you what it looks like to be a disciple. We can't outsource our children's spiritual formation. We can resource it. And that's, that's the beauty of growing up in a community here. So I want you to hear this morning, if you're here this morning and you don't even have kids yet, or you don't have kids, or if you're single, or whatever that looks like, we need you to, to be a part of our kids' spiritual formation. And vice versa, like we can all, there's holes in my parenting and Jess's parenting that you guys can help fill, and vice versa. So that's the other, the other beautiful dimension or depth to growing up in a new humanity or a new family in God. Charles Spurgeon, a preacher from the 1800s, just on this point says this, Ministers and Sabbath school teachers were never meant to be substitutes for mothers and fathers. What happy hours and pleasant evenings have children had at their parents' knees as they have listened to some sweet story of old. Again, guys, we have the gift and privilege and honor of instructing our children in the way of the Lord. I cannot emphasize this enough, that this is not going to happen without intention or effort or time. But this goes back to the whole the gospel reality that everything that God has done to you and for you, he now wants to do through you. As you experience grace and forgiveness, how do you teach your children about that? Talk to them about that. Model that. And also for you parents, God knew that you would have the children that you have. And he will equip and enable you to teach and instruct your specific children well. You may feel completely overwhelmed with this. And feel like, okay, how the heck do I teach my children all the Bible? Have you read Leviticus? Have you read Numbers? Have you read Deuteronomy? Song of Songs. Don't even get me started. But let's let's just take heart. This is how we're going to close. I'm just going to ask the worship team to come back up. I'm going to read Jesus' summary of what we're talking about. And instructing our kids in the way of the Lord. And then end with, uh, when, when after Moses gives the Ten Commandments to the Israelites and what that looks like for them. So if you guys want to stand... I'm going to read this over us and pray for us as parents and children, and then we'll close with worship. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Thank you, Lord. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. May we do so in the love of the Father, following the example of Jesus and in the power of the Spirit. Amen.